Good morning, Newcom. It's good to see you. And I'm glad I get to at least not wear a mask. It's, it's, been a, it's probably been the biggest barrier for me coming back. And so I'm actually going to be preaching at myself in some ways today. Um, but I'm, it, it's been good to be part of this church for a long time. I know I've been one of, as Emily said, I'm one of the missionaries that the church has been supporting for quite a bit, a long time. And it, actually, my time with Newcom started back in 2009. Where anyone was anyone here back then? Yay! Right. So Sandra Van Opstel was um, part of the church, and I was her supervisor within the varsity. And she, her family was coming to visit, so I wanted to come meet her family. And so that's when I first experienced the powerful preaching of uh, Pastor Peter and this incredible multi-ethnic worship, which I was so drawn to. University loves, and we we really support a diversity of. Um, people and and nations and cultures and so there just seemed to be so much alignment between the values of this church and where I was coming from and so it felt like home instantly Um, I was already a member of another church though so I couldn't transition very quickly but um but my um I actually went to Bronzeville too for a little bit Sonia and and I loved it down there but but when um when the snow hit, and I live up north, and it took two hours to get home, I'm like, oh, I'm going back to Newcom and Logan Square. It's just too much of a, of a barrier. Um, but it was great to be part of that journey, and then being back um, here. Membership back in the day took like two years, actually. So it's a lot easier now if you want to be a member. So there, you had to take a whole course on evangelism and a whole course on stewardship, and by the time they ran all those courses, it took two years, or a year and a half. And so um, I was about to become a member, and then I got a new position overseas in the UK. And I think they felt so bad that it took me so long to get there. They just said, just become a member. And then they started supporting me really generously as I went overseas for five years. So um, thank you, and, and thank you for continuing to support me as I came back to the States. Um, so currently, I work with InterVarsity um, in Grad and Faculty Ministries Division. And pre-pandemic, our team was three, was four of us. And I had like five open slots of national positions. And during the pandemic, God did an amazing thing because he, as people were, were reevaluating their lives and thinking about what is most important, God filled the spots that were open. It felt like a good match. And so we actually grew during that time. And so I now have only one open slot, and I gained two extra people that I wasn't even expecting. So thank you for your prayers and for supporting us, because that wouldn't have happened without without you being behind us. So it's with great gratitude and humility that I come to start off this new series on depending upon God in the midst of change. I also want to thank you that, um, that because of your prayers, we are able to grow. And, and I know it's been a struggle for all of us during this pandemic. I know I, I, it was really hard for me, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, let me pray as we go into this, this sermon. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you've taken... Um, 
this church to new places, and I know it's been a journey, and we are in transition on many, many, many fronts, and it's been difficult, and it's been hard, but we trust you, and we know that you're in the center of things. We know that Jesus is in the center, and he gives us strength. You give us strength. So I ask, Lord, that you would speak through me today and that I would only say the things that you want people to hear. Would you open up our hearts and we invite your spirit to work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the main idea that I want to get across today is our God is in control during periods of change. So we can confidently restore the habit of worshiping together We can remember the past and feast together, eat together, and be authentic with the emotions we feel as we go through transition and change. Okay? So the first thing is we can be absolutely sure that God is in control. And we're going to look at a passage that actually reflects that. So if you have uh, your Bible with you or your phone with you, we're going to look at the book of Ezra, um, chapter 3 mostly. But I want to give you the context, because context is super important whenever you look at scripture. So the background of of, um, Ezra 3 falls into this big, I think you need to go back a little. Um, um, The big narrative of scripture is creation. There's the fall, which is where we're separated from God. And then if you look at um, the Israelites, there's constant sinning. There's like seasons. In fact, you can't even read scripture and say, this is what I should do, because it's mostly what you shouldn't do. See, so they kept sinning, and God kept bailing them out, sending them a judge to save them. And they said, well, we want to be like everyone else. Give us a king. So he gave them a king. And then God's like, you're not going to like this, because they're going to attack you, and you're not going to, you know, things are not cool. And so they kept following and then it got to the point where there were good kings and bad kings, and it became so bad, God allowed them or sent them into exile and allowed, allowed um, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon to um, be in power. And so for 70 years, the people of Israel in exile. And, and, and then after that, God brings them out, which is what we're going to address, and then Jesus comes onto the scene. And then the world um, is back right. Someday we're praying for that to come. So we step um, with the Israelites in the wilderness. Can I get the water? Thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we step in this passage where the Israelites have been in the wilderness. And we've spent the last month uh, talking about people's stories as they've gone through wilderness experiences on their own. And also last week, we we heard testimonies of people and their experiences. And so this is where we are. So let me read Ezra 1, 1 through 3. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. 
Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. Now this is crazy, right? A foreign king is going to, is, feels called by God, and it's not even his God, to give back to the Israelites their homeland. He's going to give back all the treasures that were taken from them so they can rebuild this temple, this place of worship. Now only God could do such amazing change of heart, right? And, and so we see that God is in the midst of this, and he did it in order to fulfill the prophecy that he said in Jeremiah, that they would be in exile for 70 years, and then he would bring them back. So we see right off the bat that God is in control. And likewise, he is in control of everything that's happening during this pandemic. He is in control of everything that's happening in this church. He is in control of everything that's happening in your personal life. The small, the big, everything. And so um, we look to this. And so this is where we start with Ezra chapter 3. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. When Joshua, and this is not the Joshua with Moses guy, Joshua, son of Josedek, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Jethiel, and his associates, began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. Then, according with what is written, they celebrated the Festival of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to, burn, uh, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundations of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. So this altar, um, last week we saw people coming up and taking a stone. Usually when you have commemorative off offerings or altars, you're putting a stone and you're building this place to remember something. But it's really cool to just, you know, nowadays we always take stones so we can remember when we're back home. And so that's, that's a cool uh, visual that we have. The other kind of altar that you usually see in scripture is where people are sacrificing some kind of animal or or grains or offering something of harvest or something in order to be right with God. Now, being right with God is a concept we don't always understand. Sometimes we thought, okay, the sacrifices, that makes things all things right. But no, actually, it was just kind of a covering temporarily so God said, you can be in my presence. So think of this. Have you ever texted something and regretted it? Ever have, have, have a textostrophe where you're like, oh no, or on Facebook, posted a picture and you find out, oh, I wasn't supposed to announce that my sister was getting married or whatever, you know, you, you just made a mistake and you're like, oh no, how do I fix it? And you try to delete it really quick. But unfortunately, some people who already have seen it, it's already in their heads. And if you keep looking, some of them, it stays on there longer, even if you try to blot it out. I was going to say something about um, back for the olden people, 
in olden days when we had whiteout. But I didn't know if you would know what whiteout is. So that's why I'm using this illustration. So, so it covers it up temporarily, but a person who's good with computers could actually get it back, right? And so that's what these sacrifices were. They were a temporary fix to allow us to be in the presence of God. And later on, Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice that we sung about, who would make it all things right. And because he was a man, he could die for another person. Because he was a perfect man, he could die for all of humanity, present, past, the future. And so this is where we are. So they are sacrificing. They are going back to doing what they knew they were supposed to do, which is to worship God. And this is also a weird thing to do. When you go back to a place you've not been for 70 years, there's usually more new people who've moved in, right? And they're like, we don't want you here. This is our neighborhood. It's been our family's neighborhood for a long time. What the heck you guys doing here? You shouldn't be here. And, and so they should have, actually, if they were smart, they would have put a barrier up. They would have gotten their people all ready to fight and defend their property. But no, they didn't. They said, God is going to protect us if we just worship him. So that's the first thing they do. They don't even have the foundation laid. So how many of you have seen the starts of new buildings? And all you see is concrete, right? There's nothing. And this is what they had. They just had that foundation, the ground at this point. We read in verse 4, um, the Feast of Tabernacles. They celebrated that. It's a week-long feasting, fun, food thing. And they use these things called sukkots, which is like a booth, to remember that they lived in tents, basically, and they were worshiping God very simply when they were wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, if you look at the map, and I don't have one right now, but if you looked at the map, it should have only taken 11 days to get from where they were supposed to go. So clearly, God was making them do, go through something different if it's going to take 40 years to do an 11-day trip on donkey. If it was modern day, it would have only taken 18 to 19 hours. And so clearly, there's something that God wanted to teach these people that they could not learn if they had instantaneously got to where they wanted to be, which is the promised land. And so... But they do what they knew what God wanted them to do, which is to celebrate this feast and remember this 40-year journey, to remember the things that God taught them, which is rely on me. I'm going to lead you day by day. I'm going to feed you this manna, which they got sick of, but I'm giving you free food. I'm leading you by uh, cloud by day, by fire by night, and you need to follow me step by step. I'm not going to instantaneously port you over, but you're going to learn to trust me every day. And that is what God is doing with us as we walk through the difficult things of life, as we walk through this pandemic, as we walk through the almost hopefully done with pandemic, but then we just found out four of our leaders just got COVID, you know, going they were, and they were feasting too, so I don't know. Okay, so we got mixed, mixed things with, with feasting. So you got to be careful. Um, so let's jump down to verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph and with cymbals, 
took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But, verse 12, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud. And they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So why did they react so differently? Those of you who have been part of Newcom for... How, how, if you've been here for more than 10 years, raise your hand. All right? You guys saw the heyday, the, the high point, the beginnings of this church when things were awesome and we were moving from a movie theater to another location and then we were renting and then we got to a place, we came here and we actually got classrooms and I remember painting the walls and we're like, yes, we finally don't have to bring in toys every week and, and, and have, you know, try to figure out how to do worship. We could actually leave our, mu our, mu our uh, music uh, equipment on stage and we don't have to keep bringing things on like you're a transient person. Some of us remember that. Some of you joined Newcom in the last year or two. How many of you have just become new visitors? Or Yeah, there's a bunch of you. And all you've seen so far is people uh, being baptized. You've seen good stuff. People are proclaiming new faith in Jesus. You've heard testimonies that have encouraged you. You've seen Emily with her smiley face every week greeting you. She's an incredible face. With, and, and so anyway, you've seen some good leadership here. And you don't know any of the hard stuff that ever happened. And then all of a sudden you hear this little rumbling of things were not perfect. And like, what's going on? But yeah, there's different emotions that come depending on your vantage point, depending on what part of the journey you've been on. And so we look at... Um, the kind of massive change that we're going through. We've gone through, we've gone th we're going through a pandemic where there's grief, loss, depression. We've gone through a national upheaval of racial and political division, which has been traumatizing. We've seen whole people groups targeted. We've seen people angry with the police. We've seen massive things happening across our nation, which makes us the most undivided nation, <laughs> not the United States, we are the ununited states across this country. We've seen division between Christians and different segments, and some of us feeling like we are better than other Christians because we get social justice or we got the true gospel or, you know, whatever you come from. And we've been divided, and it's been awful. And our church, we've seen brokenness. We've seen transitions in leadership that have been painful. And as, and, and as leaders who have tried to walk through um, this thing, it's, it's difficult. And, and, you know, glory be the day when you don't have to figure out who's going to preach next week, right? If you've been in leadership. Um, I've been watching this church for a long time, and, and as I've traveled and lived overseas and, and traveled nationally, 
and I've been watching services on, online. Um, and every time I come back and I see, I've seen Pastor P Peter preach, I remember why I came. And when I hear this, the worship behind me, I remember why I wanted to be part of this congregation. And yet I've also seen Pastor Peter's gifting as a planter. Sometimes I've, um, and Arvarsity's actually taken uh, the Evangelical Covenant's chap or, uh, church planting material and made it into our chapter planting material. And what, one thing I learned when I was coaching people was that the type of people that it takes to plant a church are usually not the set of gifts that you need to sustain and grow something stable. It's a different kind of, sub, uh, of gifting set. And so when, you have, when you're starting a church, you want someone who's charismatic, that people are gonna love to hear and flock, and then you need someone who can build structures, someone who can think about you know, paying the bills on time and getting the right kind of people and the right kind of seats and the right leaders and the right roles. It's a very different kind of, because there's very little structure in a, in a church plant. But once you have a lot of people, you got to manage all these people, right? So when Moses was going through the wilderness and they were just following this, you know, it was very unstructured. And when he started to try to set things up and his father-in-law said, what you're doing, listening to every problem is not good. That is not how you need to structure things once you get bigger. You need to figure things out differently. And so this church is going through growing pains as we go from being a church plant and it's been 20 years. That's not a church plant anymore, right? We are way beyond that at this point. And we've got some very gifted people. And one thing I think the pandemic has been really helpful with is that it's made us rethink about everything. It's made us think about how do we want to be in the future? It's giving us a new start, just like the Israelites had a new start when they went back to Jerusalem. So God is giving us an opportunity. He's giving us an opportunity to rethink how we want to be as a people. He's giving an opportunity to figure out what is our mission going to be? We had a mission statement. Is that still who we are? Or do we need to refine it? So I want you to take a piece of paper out. If you're at home, I want you to do that too. And I want you to write down and think about these questions. As we've gone through a lot of change, what do you fear? And what are you anxious about? What do you fear? And what are you anxious about? What losses do you still grieve? Or have you even given yourself a chance to grieve? I know some of us are just trying to make it. And if you've been a mom, you've been a, you've, and if you're a working mom, you were doing your working job, and you were being a, a stay-at-home teacher, and you were still managing everything. So thanks be to God for mothers. So what losses do you still grieve? And what do you long to control? When you're in change, you're, things are not in your control. Even if you're a leader, especially if you're a leader, you just know you're not in control. <laughs> and God is the one that we need to depend on to be in control. So take a few minutes, 
to write down what do you fear, what losses do you still grieve, what do you long to control, and what do you need from God? Let me give you two minutes. So this is real. This is not a, just look at me, look down. <laughs> A year ago, in February, um, we're like halfway through the pandemic, or felt like it was halfway. I hit a real low point. I'm in ministry, and I didn't sign up to do ministry from a Zoom account. I'm single, so I lived alone. So I'm in total isolation for a year, and the only human contact I have is on Zoom, and the two-dimensional screen just doesn't do it for me. And, and so I don't know why it took me so long, but I'm like, I should get back in touch with some of my friends overseas. And I finally texted them, and it was dismayed to find the first two I contacted said, Marsh, I'm getting divorced. And I'm like, I felt bad. I felt horrible. One, that I didn't even know this was happening in their lives because they were in the second year of being separated but living in the same house with their spouse because there's housing super expensive and you can't afford to live on your own during, during that period. And there's so much grief and hardship going around the world. 
so much loss. And I started thinking about what is important to me. These relationships mean a lot to me. And I miss traveling internationally. I really miss traveling at all. <laughs> but internationally, it's where my heart beats. It's when I'm in different cultures and learning and, and being with people of different values and foods and all kinds of things. And I started to dream again about something God had placed on my heart like 10 years ago. And it was to have a place where I could bring people and I could coach them for free. This is when I retired. When I coach them for free, I could have my friends who are prayer ministers come and minister to them. And, and minister people who do ministry can just rest and hang out and explore London. And so I bought a house in Oxford. And it's crazy, right? It's during the pandemic. It's the last thing you think you could be doing. I didn't even get to see the thing until I was signing and handing over all my money. But God provided the money for that. And I'm kind of good with money. So I knew the, the market was going to go down because it was going up so fast. And my money doubled. And I'm like, oh, I got to put it into something before, you know, I'm 56. So I'm, I look younger probably. But uh, I got to think about retirement, and they're only going to give me a mortgage. This is very practical. They're only going to give me a mortgage while I'm working. So I've got about 14 years of, of working life. And, you know, usually people buy a house, they have a 20, 25-year mortgage. I got to do it twice the speed. So this is like almost the last chance I had to do this. But God allowed that to happen. And I have a house with a pond that I don't get to see very often, but it's, it's, it's great, and someday you guys can come visit. Um, but what are the things that God has put in your heart and wants you to start dreaming about again that you put on hold for the last two years? What are your dreams? What are your dreams for yourself? What are your dreams for your family? What are your dreams for this church? What are your dreams for our society as we want to be change agents? What is God putting back into our hearts and minds about who we are ought to be as the people of God? That's why he takes us through these wilderness experiences, is to learn these lessons so we can be molded by him and do what he's called us to do and be who he calls us to be. Um, I was in uh, California this past week uh, with meetings with my team, um, and we were going through transition ourselves. Our supervisor, my boss, is retiring in December, and so there's some anxiousness because we all know our boss is, is going to change. Um, one of us might be the boss. That will change dynamics. Two of us are applying for the position. That gets awkward, <laughs> right? Um, but so we went through and talked about change a lot. And uh, one of my friends is going through um, a church change process just like this. They're, they just hired their new pastor. And for the last year, they prayed five things. And I can put this up on the screen five things that you can pray for. And I'm going to have you all turn to people around you and pray um, for one of these things. If you are 
on Zoom, I want you to pray for number one. Humility and Christ-likeness. Pray for that for us, for this church. If you are in the back corner, I want you to pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. This half or quarter, pray for indifference other than for the will of God, meaning your will be done, God. It doesn't matter what I will or want. It's what you want for us. That's what it means to be indifferent, unhealthy indifference. Number four, this group, I want you to pray for spiritual protection because Satan does not want us to come out of this in a good place. He would love for this group to just disband. And I remember when I was uh, working with the UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago chapter, the Asian American chapter, two people had, well, something happened where the group was going to split. And then 10 of the leaders graduated. So the group went from 30 to 20. And they were about to disband altogether. And it almost died. But they didn't tell me, of course, because I was the new person, the new staff worker they had prayed for. And um, what we did was restructure a bit. And I had everyone go through and learn how to be a small group leader. So they would experience a healthy small group, because some were good and some were not good. And they used to have half the group in leadership. I said, that's not leadership if half of you are leaders. <laughs> so we're going to restructure a little bit. And we're going to do what we're actually good at. And what they were good at, which is a mostly Korean-American church or uh, chapter, was they were good at worship, incredibly great at worship, and are really good at praying. I had never learned to pray and fast like I did when I was with these students. And so that's what we're going to do all summer. And so through the summer, we went through some training. We went and um, we prayed all summer. And this 20 group of people who were about to disband, God brought 60 freshmen, healthy freshmen, to this group. And we became 87 instantly. And only God, right? Only God can do something like that. And it was because we were humble, because we just prayed, because we were about to be nothing. And God did an incredible thing. So maybe God would do something like that with us. Maybe we get to the point where we can't even fit in this room. And so last group, pray for unity and trust, if I didn't say it already. Because if we split... We won't grow. If we fight amongst each other, Satan will have a heyday. And we will not become the people that God has called us to be. Let me pray first. Well, actually, let me pray, let you pray for one minute with the people around you for that very thing. And pray out loud. We're going to do Korean style or, if you will, pop, you know. When you stand up, pray around the people. Stand up, come on. Stand, stand, stand. Seriously. Turn, turn, turn towards the people around you and pray for the, one of the five things I asked you to pray for, okay? And you only got a minute, and then we're going to close soon.
Father, you are our leader. You are the one who controls all things and you sustain us. We pray that you would be in the midst of us and we will hear your voice and follow you all the days of our lives, individually, corporately, and as a nation. Lord, we don't know what the next steps will look like, but we will trust you with each step because you are good and you've been faithful. I pray that you would be with us the rest of today, the rest of this week. Help us to know you more deeply and to be faithful. People who pray for this church, for each other, and for our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>